scripture reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, through chapter 13, verse 13. And today will be the final sermon on love. And then we will continue on our journey through 1 Corinthians itself. This is the Lord's word. But earnestly desire the higher, the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Today is Palm Sunday. Today, traditionally in the church calendar, we, we rejoice at Jesus returning to Jerusalem. He returns on a foal, and as he enters, people lay down the palm leaves and shout, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They are recognizing their king who is returning. And they are hoping that this king will take his rightful place in Jerusalem as the king of the Jews. But you and I, we, we know how the story ends. That as Jesus returns to Jerusalem, he doesn't return to overthrow the rulers and to, and to have a crown of jewels placed upon his head. But he returned to the city he loved that he may be mocked, judged, and crucified. This was not a march of coronation, so to speak, to the people who were there witnessing. But it was a march of sorrows For the expectation was the coronation would come soon. But the reality was nothing but death was waiting for him. 
during this Palm Sunday, I mean, during this Holy Week, I encourage all of you take time in your life and reflect upon the love of Christ. Reflect upon his sacrifice for you and reflect deeply, not with shallowness, not as sort of a task to do, but as the Holy Spirit prompts you with the love that we all should have for the Christ who has loved us. This is an opportunity as we will celebrate Good Friday and uh, Easter next week to prepare your hearts and prepare your minds, to renew your hearts and renew your minds as well, and to remember that before Jesus became a king, Jesus had become a servant. And our Lord died for you, and he died for me. This is the love that John talks about in his first letter. A love that sacrifices for another. This is the love that we ourselves desire to receive. A love that does everything for our own good. A love that gives us hope, that gives us meaning. A love that's able to raise us from the depths of the sorrows in our hearts. A love that's able to raise us that we may feel completely human. A love where we are fully known by someone. And a love that accepts us and redeems us. If nothing else, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about the love of Christ for you and me. We can simply replace the word love with, with Christ, can we not? And it would say the same thing. Christ is patient. Christ is kind. Christ does not envy or boast. Christ is not arrogant or rude. Christ does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. Christ does not rejoice at our wrongdoing, but he rejoices with the truth. Christ bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things. Christ, he never ends. This is the Jesus that we worshipped. This is the completion of love that you and I are waiting for in his return. In our passage today, as we go through verse 8 through 13, I hope that as we read this passage, you will see the exaltation of love above all things. That we ourselves would be convinced, convicted 
to search nothing less than love itself. That all of us, we've all fallen short. And yet, when the Lord commands us to love, that we would take it upon our own two hands and our feet and in prayer to the Lord, ask Him, help us to pursue this love with, with which you pursued us with. That is the goal for this sermon. That has been the goal for this mini-series here on First Corinthians 13. So finally in verse 8, love never ends. Love never ends. Prophecies, they pass away. Tongues, they will cease. Even knowledge will pass away. But love never ends. Love has no final point. But love will continue for all of eternity. Jonathan Edwards, in his, in his book, put it this way. He said that heaven is simply love. Heaven is a place where we are fully known by God, that we see God fully. It's where our affections are able to praise Him with uttermost joy, and where God Himself can take uttermost joy in the completion of redemptive history. That Christ himself can finally be crowned the king of kings. That there's no more opposition, no more waiting, but that Christ's reign has been established for all of eternity. Love never ends. We will be in heaven together, realizing the goal that we so desire. As we seek to love one another here, and as we sort of fail to love one another, as we sort of learn to love one another, as we sort of learn to sort of coexist, but more than coexist, learning to rebuke one another and drive each other to Christ and, and feeling sort of the, the missteps here and there, that finally when the Lord returns, we gain the goal of what we were trying to do. The perfection of that which we were striving for for all of our days here. In fact, brothers and sisters, if our striving is not for love at the end, what are we striving for? If our goal is to strive for knowledge, God says it passes away. For up in heaven, our knowledge is it's going to be, imperfect is the wrong word for it, but, but I feel like, but I believe that our knowledge is, is just going to be sort of known to us in our hearts. When we see Jesus, we're not going to ask Jesus Tell me more about the Trinity. We're going to say, there he is right there. Let us love one another. Neither are the spiritual gifts or abilities that which we should be pursuing. 
for in the end, we won't really need this anymore, will we? But this book tells us how to love now that we may experience the fullness of love when Christ returns. Haddon Robinson, he's a famous Baptist preacher. He puts it this way. He says, love is that which, if a church has it, it doesn't really matter what else. And if it doesn't have it, whatever else it has doesn't really matter that much. In other words, a church that is striving, a relationship that's striving towards the perfection of love. You don't really need that much of anything else. In fact, that love will help the church to figure out what they need. But a church that has everything else but has no love, it actually doesn't matter what they have. Our goal as a church is to pursue that which is eternal. And that is the perfect love of Jesus perfect communion with him. So brothers and sisters, are you acting like a child in this world or are you acting like an adult in this world? And this is what this next passage, one of the points of this next passage is about. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now you see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Part of growing up as an adult, part of being someone who's been renewed in the spirit, is to know how to love people. Love is difficult. Love is messy. Love is never clean. Love means sacrifice. Love means tears. Love means betrayal. A child can never think in those terms. For a child, a love is simply receiving what their hearts want at that moment, at that time. You tell a child no, and they, they start bawling. They don't understand. A child gets reprimanded. A child gets deceived. Doesn't know how to respond in love. We don't expect them to. We expect them to respond the way that a child should respond. Disappointment, anger, confusion. but you did not come to Christ that way, did you? To continue on that path. 
you came to know Christ by His Spirit, who's implanted in you not only perfect knowledge, but implanted in you an experience of love from Christ that is beyond an experience that you've ever, well, experienced. You've seen in Jesus that perfect love that is patient and kind. You've seen in Jesus that perfect love that is long-suffering. You've seen how Jesus loves you as you examine your own life and see your own weaknesses and see your own sins. As you hear perhaps spouses, perhaps your children, perhaps your parents, your friends tell you, hey, dude, you've got some weaknesses, you've got some sins in your life. And you who are an adult, not a child, you don't throw a fit, but you look at Christ and go, how in the world can you still love me? And he does. It's that love that he gives us that enables us to think as an adult, to go forth and to share that love with one another in a way that is sacrificial, in a way that's prepared to get stepped on, in a way that's it's prepared to get exhausted, in a way that's prepared to do all, anything it takes to bring forth Christ's light in the other. And perhaps you go to bed and you're like, that was an exhausting day. I don't want to have to talk to someone else about their sin again. I don't want to talk to someone else about, but how do we love one another again? I don't want to talk about, I don't want to have another hard talk with someone who really said something offensive to this other person. I don't want to do that again. And yet you do. For the love of Christ and the unity of the body. Hugs at your heart. And we aim for nothing short of that perfect love that the Lord has in store for all of us. Let us not be children. When it comes to love, love is not for children. That's called affection that children have. It's not really love yet. It's affection. It's need. If you want affection, then you can go adopt a dog. Not a cat, but a dog. But if you want love, then we all need to grow up. Heaven is waiting for us. Heaven is love. 
Heaven is the fulfillment of Christ's love. I pray that all of us, that when we are there and we see Christ, we see exactly what we were working towards. This is why Paul says at the end of this wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Now faith, hope, and love abide or, or remain, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Two things for you to think through. One, Please go to the cross and see how much you're loved by Jesus. Only as you bathe in the love of Christ. Think of every sin you've ever, 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 ever done, and think of how God has, has God has um, forgiven you and has um, um, restored you. Think of your life and how he's brought you to this day right now and how God's hand has been there every step of the way. And then second, think deeply about how to love the people around you. Spouses, love one another. Love your children. All of us here, love your moms, love your dads, love your in-laws. Think deeply how to love one another. And I mean that. If you need to learn how to love, let's simply say, I need to learn how to love my mother. Then get on your knees, pray, and think. A good 15, 20, 30 minutes. Lord, how do I love my mom? What do I need to repent of? How can I show her the love of Christ without getting angry? frustrated with her what are some practical steps that I can take is it a phone call send chocolates send her on a trip is it just offering prayer good intentions are not enough brothers and sisters but we must go and love. Martin Luther, his, one of his favorite quotes of mine, I always sort of bend his quote according to how I want, to, want it to sound like. And if you're in the Bible study, you heard me quote him where he says, if you're, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. And what he means by that is, don't look at sin and say, I'm going to sin, I'm going to do this as... As, as bad as I can. What he meant is this, is that love boldly. Follow Jesus boldly. 
And if you happen to sin, that's okay. Ask for forgiveness and move on. But there is no love unless you're willing to fail. There is no love unless you're willing to, willing to sometimes fall into sin and see your heart revealed. There is no love unless you step out of yourself. There is no love. A corollary to this for all of you as well. Give people room to change as well. Give people room to change. If you're going to love your mom and you already sort of have your mom pegged of this is who she is, she's never going to change, then she won't. She won't. If we look around this room and say, we sort of know who we are as Christians, we sort of know our temperaments and stuff like that, but if we don't give each other room to change and to grow, we won't. Ah, oh, this person, his character, they're just sarcastic. Just let them be. That's just the way they are. And then when they try to sort of change their words because they know it's not helpful, if we look at them and go, what got into you? That's helpful for no one. We have to leave room for people to grow and eagerly expect God to grow them into what they're meant to be. God deliberately planned exactly how to save us. Jesus had his marching orders from A to Z and everything in between. And each of these tasks had to be completed in order to love us and to save us. God did not sort of just think this out of thin air. You too. Go, think, plan, do, fail, repent, love again, give room for people to grow, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And we pray that those acts of love will bring about the fruit of God changing the other, but more importantly, God changing you. Faith, hope, they all pass away, but love will always remain. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we we are a people of good intentions. We are a people who have so much information at the tips of our fingertips, so many, so many blogs to read, so many uh, podcasts to listen to, that, Lord, oftentimes we, we're just sort of filling our minds with things, and yet we're not doing anything, Lord God. 
Father, help us, Lord, to just clear our minds of that which is superfluous in our lives, that which is secondary or tertiary. And help us, Lord, to focus on what is eternal and what's most important to your heart, to love you and to love other people. Lord, we're not here to tolerate people. We're not here to build some, some sort of community, to just have a community. We're not here to build structures. We're here to, to really love one another. And this is what the Corinthian church needed, and this is what we need as well. So help us, Lord God. I pray for each and every one of us that you would put in our minds and hearts the names of one or two people, that you would help us throughout this week to just really think and meditate upon them and how we can love them with the love of Christ. Help us, Lord, to change our hearts toward them. And then, Lord, give us action plans of what it looks like to love that person, that they too, Lord, may see the love of Christ in us, that we too, Lord, would have patience and kindness and gentleness towards them. Lord, we ask of you to do this, Lord, because we can't do this in ourselves, Lord. This is given to you by your Spirit. Give us the strength, Lord, for we want a taste of heaven here today. And we want to be the ones who rejoice the loudest when you return. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.